3: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
2: So that happened, that being week 13 of the NFL season, and I'm willing to bet most of my friends and most of you didn't sit through nearly five hours of nonsense to watch your team lose to the 2-10 Cardinals. Hi, everybody. Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski for one more day here on BetQL Daily. Lucky enough to be joining Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. We appreciate you joining us. Wherever you may be in the world, download that free Odyssey app and take us with you, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or watch the show, depending on what you're doing today. You can do that while you're on the move as well via twitch.tv slash betql and YouTube. Search for the Odyssey Sports Channel today on BetQL Daily until noon, Eastern 9 Pacific. We will break down everything that happened during yesterday's NFL slate. The insanity of the college football playoff committee we dive into in great detail in about 20 minutes. And oh we look up it's a Monday night, perhaps the Monday night football game that we'll talk about in the second hour of the show is not the most attractive. Don't worry. You've got the NBA midseason tournament quarterfinals to touch on as well. A lot to talk about today. BetQL court. We had a little bit of an altercation in the midst of what was supposed to be the best game of the week but didn't really end up being that at all uh good morning friends it was a chalky day uh, other than some of the weird spots that we got including here in my backyard a very chalky day eight and two against the spread nine and one straight up until well until the Packers really looked really really good against the Chiefs last night ed they certainly
0: did, and they were certainly aided by officiating uh, at the end of that game. Now, I suppose both teams were, but you know, it's one of those deals where, yes, watching the Green Bay Packers offense all of a sudden revolutionize itself and evolve from the start of the season all the way up to now has been super impressive, especially doing it against the Kansas City Chiefs secondary that we thought a lot about. Like we thought really highly of this young, scrappy group. But then we also saw a couple of injuries start to sink in a little bit. And it was one of those deals where the Packers were smart enough. And Matt LaFleur is smart enough – to know how to take advantage of such situations. One of the things that I found particularly impressive was that the Packers were running motion on 70% of plays over the last four weeks. That's the sixth highest rate in football. You combine that with an improving quarterback who can also scramble, you've got a really fun offense. And I'd argue one of the more fun offenses in the NFL. And it's something where this Chiefs group had to keep up with Jordan Love. As great as this Chiefs defense has played, they still gave up 27 points, and it was Pat Mahomes, it was incumbent upon himself to be able to keep up in a game like this. And the red zone woes are still very much a thing. It has not gone away. Who do you trust outside of Travis Kelsey? We are still not sure of this. And then a new problem popped up in last night's game for the Chiefs. The fact that Patrick Mahomes was sacked three times, that doesn't happen. He's incredibly mobile. He always gets out of harm's all way. All in the red but zone, then, too, Ed. All in the red zone. Yeah. All in the red zone. Like, this is something where you figure, okay, Mahomes will always make something out of nothing. That's what he does. That's what makes him the GOAT. He didn't do it this time. And granted, this Packers defense, there's a lot to like here. But I wasn't expecting them to take Mahomes down in the red zone three times, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I wasn't either. I mean, the Chiefs, we keep saying it all year. They just don't seem like the same team. As for the Packers, Mm -hmm. I think it is time we call them for real. It is so exciting to see what Jordan Love and Christian Watson are able to do. And credit to Matt LaFleur. I didn't even remember seeing him listed for coach of the year. I see him at 16 to 1. I think that's a very interesting market. Probably too little too late for the Packers. But certainly, they are looking... Playoff team and they don't play a team with a winning record the rest of the way. So awesome stuff to see Jordan love really develop and come into his own at this point in the season. They're definitely for real. I was impressed. I thought our lead would be all oh, the chiefs lost with Taylor Swift in the building. That's not the lead. <laughs> No the
2: lead <laughs> it <could be. laughs> the, the, yeah it could be if not for uh Taylor being outshined maybe it's not outshined that that, that cuz it wasn't shiny by the officiating on the final drive especially uh, Abso- I mean the last minute and a, a minute and 5 seconds of this game were a travesty to officiating everywhere you have the unnecessary mm-hmm. roughness penalty uh, called on Owens when he hits Patrick Mahomes in the field of play. Um, that's a I didn't a give classic. up on the play. Right. And, and right at the first down marker, too. So mm-hmm. you have that. You have the – you have, let's see, we have I, Isaiah Pacheco uh, trying to knock someone out in the midst of a fumble being returned that wasn't a fumble. It was – there was – and then you have late in that ballgame as well uh, what could have been DPI on the Hail Mary, although how often do we see DPI on Hail Marys? There was just a lot of bad officiating on that final drive. That's not the story, though. You're right. The story is the Packers may be for can real. We, There's can a we st- add
0: one more to that? Can we add one more yes. to that real fast? The one where Marquez Valdez-Scantling was trying oh, to yes. get out of bounds but was pushed backwards. You know, you look at all the other calls, and they're bang-bang plays. They can be close. You might have missed something, you know, in the span of half a second. Mm -hmm. It's not good, but okay, whatever. MVS was getting pushed backwards and going out of bounds. That is an obvious call. Anybody could have seen that, where the clock is supposed to continue to run if you're being pushed backwards. If you're going forwards and going out of bounds, then yes, you stop the clock. That was painfully obvious. I thought it was the worst call of the night, and it just ruined what otherwise was a really exciting game with a really exciting outcome that has a lot of ramifications going forward.
2: Yeah, that should have been the last play of the game. There were only 15 seconds left on the clock there. They're probably not able to get up on the line and run another play at that point. You also had Valentine basically draping himself on Valdez Scantling's back a couple plays later and no DPI Mm -hmm. called there in what very well could have been a defensive pass interference situation. But I think despite all the officiating controversy, despite the questions we continue to have about the weapons at Mahomes' disposal, you see him throw the pick late on a ball where Sky Moore kind of gave up on the route, there's a million things going on with Kansas City in their offense. The defense didn't perform against Jordan Love, who may be legit now. The Packers are 6-6, six and six, and they right now would be the final wild card in the NFC playoff picture. I think you're right, Aaron. With the slate ahead of them, that's the story. That's the takeaway here, especially as far as betting markets are concerned. If you like the Packers, now may be the time to start leaning in on them and leaning in on Jordan Love as well.
1: Yeah, not a lot of value on them to make the playoffs. It's like minus 215, something like that. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. Whereas, you know, I, one other point I want to make about the Chiefs, just from a betting perspective, couple a couple of the last seasons, you know, they're down. You're like thinking, oh, it's Pat Mahomes. He's going to find a way. You can get some value on this incredible comeback. I don't think that's the case with this team. Whereas the Packers, you know, I was doubting them for a while, and they're just like, okay, they did it again. They did it again. Okay, I guess they're for real now. And how much does it say about this Packers team when you do beat up on a Chiefs team that obviously isn't as good as they have been? Man, they've got to be kicking themselves about, you know, weapons that they could have gotten, you know, and moves they could have made. I think they just got... I've said it before, arrogant with, oh, we got Pat Mahomes. We could have these scrub receivers, and it's really not working. No offense to Rasheed Rice, of course. I'm not a good no, Thank he, you. Thank
2: yeah, you. He's, <laughs> he, he looks like he's starting to figure some things out too. Um, but I do think, you know, it, as far as the, the Packers go, this was the first opportunity for Jordan Love to really ball out against a quality defense. And we talked about that on Thursday and Friday, right? Like, he had done it against Detroit. He had done it uh against uh who who was it the week before but he, he had had on uh the Chargers it, he had not mm-hmm. really done it yet he had been stymied by the Steelers defense earlier this year by the Broncos defense earlier this year he did it against a quality defense and so i as someone who went on a giant rant yesterday about Jordan Love not being there yet i'll own up to it and say wrong jordan love looks like he's here looks like he's ready to help mm-hmm. lead the packers especially through the back half of that slate um As far as AFC wildcard stuff, maybe we can touch on it later, but it was, it was messy. Uh, You had the Texans outlasting the Broncos and what was actually a really good game. Colts survived the Titans in OT and what was a similarly crazy game. Chargers beat the Patriots 6-0. And then the Cardinals dominating the Steelers in Pittsburgh. We will get to everything that happened in Philly with the Niners and Eagles and Big Dom and Dre Greenlaw and, and the Niners dominance of Philly in, in a little bit when we have a little more time to maybe expand on it. But just the AFC wild card right now, guys, the teams that are involved in it, uh, the Browns actually looked okay with Flacco at quarterback yesterday for a bit before the Rams took over. This is kind of a – this is like a the last couple of weeks of Survivor when everybody's trying to figure out how they're going to stay on the island, Ed. And these teams – especially with the injuries for some of them look like they're just trying, they're just trying to keep their heads above water. I just need to be able to get that one last big gasp of (laughs) breath because it's a mess. The AFC wildcard picture. It it
0: certainly is. And I think one of the misnomers that we had during the preseason, one of our priors was that, okay, it's going to be an absolute log jam and we're going to have a couple of really good teams get left out of the mix. I think it might be the opposite, where we might have a couple of not-so-good teams get into the mix. When you were watching that Colts-Titans game, as insane as that was, and boy, there were some insane things that happened there, you figured the Colts could very well make the playoffs. Are we really scared of them? Are we impressed by them? I don't think I am. Not at this rate. It's possible the Browns, with Joe Flacco at quarterback, could very well make the playoffs. Are we impressed by them? We like their defense, but look, that defense gave up a lot to the Rams. And that, to me, is its own talking point just in terms mm-hmm. of how much this Rams offense has impressed us, uh, surprisingly so. But maybe we shouldn't have been surprised because Sean McVay is still a head coach, Matt Stafford's still a quarterback, all that stuff. But the Browns have not impressed us as of late. They might make the playoffs. The Texans, they have impressed us in a lot of ways, but losing Tank Dell is really, really significant. Oh. They might be able to overcome that. They might not. But the, regardless, the point is that as impressive as Houston has been offensively, we still have some questions about if they can make the playoffs. And so it is very much a log jam. The Buffalo Bills are still alive and well. I will probably be saying this even when we start the playoffs and the Bills aren't in it, that the Buffalo <laughs> Bills are still alive and well. But I still believe in this.
1: Yeah. Phenomenal time to be the president of the Nico Collins fan club. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Way to go, Nico. I, it's really impressive what CJ Stroud is doing. You lose, take Dell and like, it's that offense didn't even skip a beat. You, you look at the tiebreakers though. The Browns win the tiebreaker over the Colts. I'm with you, Ed. I hope The Colts drop out of the playoffs somehow, (laughs) some way. They're just kind of there. For our mental health, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah, like get them out. We're done. I I don't want them in. Uh, And then the Broncos have the tiebreaker over the Bills. The Colts have the tiebreaker over the Texans. So it's kind of uh, murky waters here. It's going to be interesting.
2: And I think Ed made a really good point, too, Aaron. Like, you talk about the mess that this thing is. Each team has a giant question mark hanging over it, or maybe multiple question marks, right? Like, Buffalo, can they consistently find their offense, and can their defense hold up their end of the bargain? Broncos, is what we saw for the four or five weeks leading into yesterday real? Can Russ do that down the stretch? Texans, can CJ Stroud keep it up, maybe without Tank Dell? The Colts, I mean, look... They've been doing it all year. I don't know how, but they just keep doing it uh, despite uh, all the injuries. The Browns and their defense, and Miles Garrett being less than a hundred percent, and then you get to to I, I was I guess I'll call them my Steelers uh, and Kenny Pickett out for the next uh, four weeks, most likely. And I don't know if that matters or not for an offense that should be built from the run game up. But they were within a win against the two and ten tanking Cardinals of moving right onto the Ravens' heels. They were right there, and they made a mess of themselves yesterday. You got T.J. Watt complaining about officiating after the game. You've got Mike Tomlin saying that they they it was a bad day at the office. Everything went wrong. But you can't blame it on the weather delays. You can't blame it on anything other than that defense, which is supposed to be elite, Ed. They got... They got the ball shoved down their throat. A 99-yard, 15-play, 99-yard drive late in the second quarter after the Steelers got stopped on the goal line that changed that game. T.J. Watt, three pressures. Alex Highsmith,
0: three pressures. They did not cover Trey McBride at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, it looked like linebackers were covering him uh, a good bit for his catches. That's a problem. You don't want the Arizona Cardinals to out-scheme you, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what happened. James Conner did not have an extraordinary performance, just plus nine rushing yards over expected, but his outside runs were fantastic. How he did against stacked boxes was phenomenal. This defense took a major step back. Do not talk about the quarterback situation. That's
2: not important. It's the defense that struck. They're in a bad spot. As is, it feels like every AFC wildcard team right now. We're going to get deep into (laughs) Niners Eagles in 20 minutes, but coming up next... Florida State gets screwed. The CFP committee made their decision. We'll talk about it here on BetQL Daily.
4: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. back QL
2: to the committee if they're saying hey that team that you had tonight is not the team that won all those games how do you put that together with such a big part of your offense missing we just beat a top 15 team with a true freshman quarterback like it doesn't matter like I don't care perspective what people think oh I mean watch that we win
0: we win and you know what if we get the opportunity to go play in the, in the national semifinal oh it's going to be a challenge I believe in this team
2: I believe in what they can do I believe in who they are and you know what they showed up every single week and done it so I don't really care about what everybody else's opinions are
0: I know who I coach and I know we get the opportunity they're going to go fight for everything they get because they've been
2: doing it for the last four years and whatever the next opportunity is I promise you they're going to show up Mike Norvell, Florida State head coach. That was Saturday night. So imagine how spicy he was a Sunday afternoon when he got to put together that statement that was sent out after Florida State was screwed out of the college football playoff by the committee. We'll get into that in just a minute. Coming up top of the hour, Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. We talked to him about everything we saw in week 13 and some look ahead to week 14 as well. In 20 minutes, we have thoughts. Lots of thoughts about Big Dom DeSandro, Philly's head of security, and his altercation with Dre Greenlaw on the sideline, and thoughts about Eagles Niners just in general as well after San Francisco dominates Philly in Philly, 42-19. to 19. And we will talk about the college football semifinal matchups that exist as they are, in a couple minutes here, but let's start with the college football playoff committee, guys, and Florida State being left out at number five. Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four, all four conference champs, two of them undefeated, two of them with one loss each, one of those losses being to the other guy, uh, a spot ahead of them, but Florida State, an undefeated conference champ. They beat Louisville Saturday night, To complete a 13-0 season left out. Um, In my opinion, this is, well, first of all, we're never going to have to deal with this again because we're going to have 12 teams starting next year. Yeah, (laughs) And, you know, I, I thought it was a really good point made by Paul Feinbaum this morning when he said, hey, if not for the ACC commissioner and his brethren putting up a fight against expanding the playoff early, We'd have 12 teams this year, and Florida State would be one of them. They'd be playing Liberty in a a home game as well in Tallahassee in two weeks. But we're not. Fair point. Fairer point. This just tells us that even when we expand to 12 teams, subjectivity is more important than objectivity in the minds of the college football playoff committee. They looked at a team and said, Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're 13 and 0 conference champs. Power five. Well, yeah, that's awesome. But their quarterbacks hurt and that might make them worse. It might might. It, you can look at the last two weeks and say, yeah, their offense, not as good. But you don't know what the hell's going to happen when they get out on a field against Michigan. And by the way, I know it's a TV product and this whole thing. It's about getting people to turn on their televisions on New Year's Day at 5 o'clock for the Rose Bowl in the East and the game Mm -hmm. after that, the Sugar Bowl. We want people to tune in and get some great matchups, right? We don't want another TCU waltzing in and getting slaughtered. But don't forget, TCU beat Michigan last year. They shocked everybody. Everybody thought they were a sham. They were a fraud. The, 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 The horned frauds, as my good buddy R.J. Choppy from Dallas likes to call them. But they won a semifinal game because you don't know what's going to happen when the game gets played. You would have had the entire country outside of Ann Arbor and the immediate Detroit metro area tuning in, cheering for the Seminoles to beat Michigan, to upset Michigan in a national semifinal in the Rose Bowl. The ratings would have been off the charts. Everybody would have talked about it for the next three weeks, but instead, Okay, Bama, Michigan, great, Blue Blood City. It'll be fun, I guess, Bama and the Rose Bowl. But you left out an undefeated conference champ, Ed. Subjectivity over objectivity? I know Professor Egros cannot be a fan of this.
0: I'll tell you what I'm not a fan of. There's been a lot of rhetoric just thrown about this whole weekend. Right? Like, we're hearing arguments under the sun as to why maybe Alabama should have gone in or Texas should have been left out or some random team or whatever. First off, if I may take a real quick victory lap, I did say on Twitter, Florida State plus 340 not to make the playoffs was a good bet. Certainly it cashed. So I hope you guys are following all of us because uh, every now <laughs> and again, you know, squirrel finds its nut, all that good stuff. But here's the thing, though. When I look at what happened yesterday, yes, it, it is – blatantly unfair to Florida State for what happened. At the same time, I think one of the things that we need to be careful of is this notion that the committee can hand out certain ideas, certain rules and trends, things like that. And they are to stand the test of time that whatever trend we want to extrapolate from rankings that that is going to be what stands the test of time going forward, that it's all about the four best resumes, or it's about the four best teams, or it's about something mm-hmm. else. That's never going to be the case. It's never going to be the case when we get to a 12-team playoff. It's, it never has been the case, and it never will be. As long as there is a committee, as long as there exists a group of people who are deciding these things for us, instead of something that is a little bit more structured and a little bit more objective like you see in every other sport, then there is nothing to extrapolate. And I think this is one of the dangers releasing rankings every single week by the committee is that we start to parse and take away ideas and go, okay, the committee is telling us this. No, they're not. They never have and they never will. There is nothing consistent about what they have done. So when we're looking at Florida State being unbeaten going forward, my question was always, okay, it's unfair to say that Florida State and Jordan Travis is going to be that much worse because we don't know yet. Well, after watching those last couple of games, I do think they were significantly worse. And is it unfair to them? Probably. It probably is. But at the same time, I'm also one who believes that head-to-head shouldn't matter nearly as much as what we were saying over the weekend. Because Alabama was playing in a better conference. They are a better team now. Texas, they've you know they've still played very well, but they've slipped a little bit. I think Alabama's better than Texas. And if they have a rematch, I think Alabama wins that ballgame. But it doesn't matter what I yeah. think. What matters is that this mercurial approach to picking teams to make the playoff, it has always been the case. Even prior to the BCS, when it was all about jockeying for position and politics and all that stuff. This is the history of college football, and nothing is going to change going forward, Erin.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm with you. Like, <clears throat> is it fair about FSU I doubt? I mean, their quarter suffered an injury, um, probably not playing in the most exciting conference. It's just, I think the thing that's frustrating and annoying to me is, you know, they say the best team should be in but they also kind of show us that winning is secondary <laughs> sometimes like mm-hmm. I, it's there's no black and white here and i think you know that's because it's being left up to humans and their decisions so it's frustrating but i'm with you like in terms of alabama they've been playing well i was on the money line so i feel a bit conflicted because a part of me did think alabama should be in so i guess they mm-hmm. did the right thing at the end of the day Um, but I think it's just tough the way it's set up and I, and you're and it does date back to, you know, I think there's a lot of bias when it comes to the sec and ESPN's relationship with them and ratings Mm -hmm. and money. I mean, there's so much that goes on, you know, behind the scenes as well.
2: Yeah. I I just, I can't get over the concept. Like I said, of subjectivity reigning out over objectivity because The idea of an undefeated college football team from a Power Five conference not having an opportunity to play for the national championship is why we – you made a great point, Ed. this This is what we've done as college football fans. It's what college football fans have been doing before we were even around, before any of us were born. College football fans argued. Some years you had a clear number one, some years you didn't. And so you'd sit there and argue about who was supposed to be number one. The reason I became a Penn State fan in 1994 was because they got jobbed out of the national title by Tom Osborne and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. An undefeated team didn't get a chance to prove itself on the field for the national championship. And that's the problem I have here. You can't predict what Florida State would have looked like against Michigan. Maybe it would have been a disaster. Maybe the entire country would have been done watching after the first quarter. It would have been 21 0, and we all would have taken a little nap before the Sugar Bowl started. Entirely possible. But there's also a reason you play the games. For years, we didn't think that a second or third wild card team in the NFL could go on a run and win a Super Bowl. Ah, they're just a wild card. It won't happen. Then you had Jerome Bettis in Detroit. You had, uh, you had uh, David Tyree in a helmet catch, beating the 17-0, nearly 17-0 New England Patriots. We play the games for a reason. And, and things like what we do, gambling, are unpredictable for a reason. It's why we love this so much, because as much as we try to figure out what's going to happen, we think we know. In the end, nobody knows nothing until they go out and play the game. And so it's hard for me to say, undefeated team, won your conference, power five conference, you won your conference, but you're probably not as good now that your quarterbacks hurt. So eh, go play, go, go play a bowl game against Georgia. You kids will still have fun. You'll get a goodie bag. It's okay. You'll still get to practice more. Your coaches will get to recruit. It's all right. It's okay. So I understand Bama's is a better team right now than Florida State. Like that much I don't think can be argued, but if you look at the results over the last 14 weeks, Florida State deserves the shot more than Bama, who lost a game. I don't know. I'm getting all riled up. I'm sorry. But, like, no, that, it's fine. The,
0: the it's numbers. fine. I mean, like, let's talk about Georgia for a second, right? Like, Georgia's ranked number six. Like, I think they could probably beat half this field, Right. Like, if somehow Georgia mm-hmm. snuck into the top four, we probably would have an Alabama-Georgia rematch,
2: right? Right. Is but, that but what we okay want, with though? Them Is not that being for the best it. of it? Right. Because yeah, they lost. we are.
0: Because of the resume.
2: So yes. They, they lost. And so, if there are three teams that are undefeated, it shouldn't be hard to say in a four-team playoff system, those three go in, and then we grab mm-hmm. the one... Now we want to be subjective, and we want to we want to tell the, the entire country who we think is the be- next best team. Yeah, we'll tell you who the next best team is, but you got to take the three undefeated. You're right, Georgia is Georgia is still probably the best team in the country. Ed, look at what they've done over georgia, the last georgia
1: Michigan, two years. I would have right? liked to see that.
2: Would have been <laughs> sure. a great game, but Georgia Tons lost with the season on the line. Basically, they they knew what what was up mm-hmm. for grabs Saturday night in Atlanta, and they lost. So now we get in our uh, two CFP semifinals on New Year's Day. Number one, Michigan favored by two and a half against number four, Bama. Total only 45 and a half in that one. So we expect defense, rightly so, with those two teams to rule the day. And then the nightcap and the Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas laying four and a half against number two, Washington. Sixty-two and a half point total. The point total. The, the under-the-radar story of college football this weekend might be Washington's tired of being doubted, Ed. Washington's legit, Mm -hmm. and they're still being doubted to the tune of four and a half.
4: Selling a little or a lot.
0: it, it it was quite the shocker on Friday night, I thought, that Oregon was clearly the better team coming in. Offense, defense, special, pretty much everything. And Washington had no problem dismantling him where there, this outcome was really never in doubt. Like, Michael Penix Jr. looked fantastic out there. The defense hmm. was able to contain Bo Nix fairly well. It was one of those deals where it was such a shocking outcome that you wonder when it comes to Washington – are they the quintessential example this college football season of a team playing down to competition, but still finds ways to win? I think after a big game, I understand it because you're dealing with young men and emotional arcs and all that stuff can be a little bit tricky to decipher. And certainly the physicality of a really big game will leave you worn down the following week. But the fact that this was happening, week after week after week to the Huskies, you couldn't help but understand why the ratings were so much poorer uh, in terms of overall power numbers than Oregon and all these other great teams. So that being said, I understand where the spread is. At the same time, I am curious when it comes to Texas's offense, like they did some really creative things in that big 12 title game. Can they continue to do so? Yeah, I know you have a month to prepare, but then you only have a week after that for the national championship game. Like, how creative can this offense really get? And can Washington keep up? To me, the number's a little too big upon first inspection. Maybe it's subject to change on my behalf as far as my opinion goes, Aaron. But I do think Washington can cover this number.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I also love the Sark, uh, storyline as well. I covered the Huskies when he was there giving him a lot of time to prepare. And plus Texas has the confidence of beating Alabama too. So earlier, obviously this year, but you know, they've been battle tested this season. So I think this is just going to be a great matchup. I'm looking forward to this and Alabama, Michigan.
2: Yeah, it, it, they, they do. Look, we'll get, I'll give the committee credit for this much. They're giving us two really good matchups on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And something, mm-hmm. two really good games worth talking about for the next couple of weeks, definitely. We got to talk about, in BetQL Court, Big Dom, Eagles head of security, Gets Dre Greenlaw kicked out of the game. How did this happen? Jason Lockenfora joins us in 20 minutes, and we continue to unpack week 13 of the NFL all morning long, plus NBA midseason quarterfinals tonight as well. So much to get to on BetQL Daily.
4: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network.
2: a bad bet you can't handle the truth
0: take a bad beat I, I plead the fifth or just something you want to get off your chest sir you're out of i don't
2: i show you out of order betql court is now in session on betql daily presented by betmgm oh we've we've got a good one today Jason Lockett Forer will join us in 20 minutes. He may want to talk about this. Everyone's talking about this this morning after week 13 of the NFL season. is nearly a wrap. we got one more game, Bengals-Jags tonight. We'll get into that in about an hour from now here on BetQL Daily. Live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski alongside Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth. Today's edition of BetQL Court, friends, it takes us to South Philadelphia. Broad Street and Lincoln Financial Field, where in the middle of the third quarter, we had a bit of a scuffle, an altercation, went down on the sideline between Philadelphia Eagles, head of security, Big Dom, they call him, Dominic DeSandro, and Niners linebacker, Dre Greenlaw. I've got thoughts on Big Dom we can get into in a minute. But (laughs) this is what it sounded like on Fox when this happened. Let's go downstairs at Tom. What's going on down there, Tom? You're Gev, seeing it.
0: Kev, that happened maybe five yards away from where we're standing. You can see that it's when Greenlaw reached out toward Dom, who provides security and so much else.
3: He's a after ton the over.
0: Personal foul, number 57 of San Francisco, who has also been disqualified.
2: Wow. The team wow. told you they
0: could do that after looking at it, and he has been thrown out. That's enormous. Dom is going to continue to just raise the ladder of local heroes here in Philadelphia. <laughs> there might be a statue of the Eagles win this game. Wow. Now it's a heavyweight
2: fight. Wow. Now you. He's going to sell a lot of t- sweatshirts. <laughs> Big Dom, uh, who for 25 years has been head of security for the Philadelphia Eagles, goes back to the Andy Reid days, gets into it with Dre Greenlaw along the sideline. Dre Greenlaw doesn't really give him, it's not even really like a face wash or a punch or anything like that. It's more just like a poke to the nose almost, like a boop right on the the nose. Um, And Greenlaw gets ejected. Now, in a game that ended up being a 23-point margin of victory, it doesn't end up really being that big a deal. But when it happened in the third quarter, when this game was... Still within shouting distance for the Eagles. And maybe it would have mattered in a closer game. Doesn't end up mattering. It ends up being just goofy nonsense, Ed, with a security guy getting kicked out of the stadium. But I think the trade-off probably better in Philly's favor because they get Trey Greenlaw kicked out of the game. And you
0: can sell merchandise and you can get all the fans <laughs> riled up and all that good stuff. So definitely a net gain for Philadelphia as far as I'm concerned. If I were to tell you this story and not tell you where it happened or who it involved... And I gave you one guess. I feel like more often than not, you're going to take Philadelphia, right? Like of all the places this could have possibly occurred, you probably would have picked Philadelphia. Maybe you would have like said, oh, malice of the palace. Maybe you would have happened to. No, 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 no. You probably would have gone with Philadelphia, especially with a game of of this significance going up against the Niners in terms of tiebreakers for the one seed, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, You can understand why the emotions were incredibly high and why Eagles fans were so excited, even though their team was trailing, that suddenly they get to see their man, Big Dom, go out there and show them who's boss. Yeah, you don't mess with Philadelphia. Well, yes, we mess with Philadelphia. Because, (laughs) look, I get that, like, I've tried to say nice things about Philadelphia fans, like, They can be endearing sometimes and they are consistent and we know who they are and all of that stuff. But you cannot encourage this type of behavior. You cannot give Big Dom a standing ovation when he's being escorted out of the building. You can't do that. You need to be classier than this. And I know who I am telling this to, but you still have to be mindful of the fact (laughs) that one guy who should not have touched a player. You can't do that. I don't care who it is or what they've done or any of those things. Like if he's fighting you, okay, fight back for self-defense, but anything short of that, no, you don't put your hands on a player, not at all. And the fact that this happened and they were encouraging it, this is way worse than Hollywood giving Will Smith a standing ovation after slapping Chris Rock. This is way worse than this one. So overall, I am incredibly disappointed by a fan base that continuously <laughs> disrespects the game.
2: I mean, this, like you said, this is Philly, right, Aaron? I mean, are we surprised? This Philly—they're Philly fans.
1: Yeah, I think I think they get a pass. I mean, this is so on brand what? for Philly, and this is such is a rivalry. Brand. I love it. <laughs> fights breaking out like give me more of that please and what's basically an (laughs) nfc championship review i was all for it free dom as paul said Mm. i i as a fan don't have a problem with it but kyle shanahan agrees with you ed he was so mad about this so mad and they clearly rallied yeah i mean they they rallied after that that just that just helped the niners
2: There is there is the serious quotient of this, which is don't put your hands on a player like we see it in in the NBA all Mm -hmm. the time, which is people sit courtside and they think that that makes them a part of the event, which they're not. Don't put your hands on a player, even if you're head of security, like somebody jumps down from the field and runs onto the turf. Hey, now, big Dom, go to town. You know, tackle right. that person who's running through the Throw middle of the field. A bottle and, uh, on the
1: field. Something crazy yeah, like go that. after yeah. those
2: people. Mm-hmm. Don't put your hands on a player in the midst of the game. And Dre Greenlaw shouldn't have been ejected for it either. That's ridiculous. The, the more, the more humorous part of this for me is if you look up, Dom DeSandro Eagles, senior advisor to the GM and chief security officer, I'd love to know what he's advising Howie on, on a day-to-day basis. Um, he looks <laughs> like he's about half a branch of the family tree removed from appearing on several episodes of Jersey Shore. He is he's big Dom. You know, like he, he gotta go home on Sunday because mama makes a gravy every Sunday and he's gotta stir it for her while she runs and gets the crabs from the market. You know what I'm saying? Like he is he how is how old is he? I don't know, but he's been, he's been, been doing 25 this for twenty five years. years. You know,
1: Yeah, he Mm -hmm. must have started when he was nineteen. Like, what's going? He doesn't look that that old, but I guess it's hard to tell. Do they call him Papa Bear? Because I kind of like that nickname for him too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They call him Big Dog. He's already got a nickname.
0: Well, if you are a, a a bigger person, sometimes you do have the baby face where the wrinkles aren't there compared with everyone else True. of a similar a age are like perhaps in better shape. Yeah, like sometimes <laughs> just... the the bang. Nah, a lot of fat, yeah, right. That's all. I I would be nervous right. saying that about Big Dom who I'm sure is lovely, uh, you know, just a, a wonderful baby human face, being, Big but Dom. Yeah, right. You know, moisturizes, exfoliates, all of that good yeah. stuff. He has say, to,
2: right? But, yes, if you do where, have... That's... <laughs> so that's where I think the Jersey Shore quotient comes in. Dom takes care of himself. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice high, tight fade of a haircut, right? And he manicures his mustache. He's got, you know, the little upper lip deal going there where, like, you can tell mm-hmm. he, he shapes it up every morning. Big Dom takes care of himself. Big Dom back in the day went tanning. Big Dom back in the day went to gy- to the gym with Pauly D. Big Dom has been at a club in Jersey in the middle of July when the music dropped, when the beat dropped, and definitely was down to just his white tank top and dancing like... He
1: was, he was probably a club bouncer when he first got his Eagles gig. Like, he probably That's, had right. two jobs.
0: I got to think he, a really he scored call. a lot of digits when he was a bouncer. I got to think that, like, friends would get together and be like, hey, Big Don, go talk to that girl, see if you can get her digits. And he did it every oh, yeah. single time. The success be- rate, I got to believe, is above
2: <laughs> 90% for Big Don to get digits. Because he's got the teddy bear look. See, right, Aaron? He's got the, He's non-threatening until he, he tries to <laughs> fight Dre Greenlaw on the sideline.
1: I mean, wouldn't you? want big Dom in your crew if you're going out like things get out of hand. You just feel safe and protected.
2: Every (laughs) group needs a big Dom or a big Dom, you know, a a reasonable facsimile of a big Dom, you know? I agree. But every every NFL team has a big Dom. Maybe it's not a big baby-faced Italian bro from South Philly, but, like, (laughs) I know who the Steelers head of security is, and I know that, hey – when stuff goes down and players need help, things get taken care of. And all of a sudden, it all it all works out. It never hit the news. How'd that happen? If you can call them a fixer if you want. They call them heads of security or chief security officers. Big Dom knows things about things. He doesn't just know the things. He knows the things about the things, Ed.
0: On the West Coast, we have those Ray Donovan types. But they look very different <laughs> Than the big Dom types. And I think this is a big difference between where I live and where you live, Chris, where, <laughs> you know, I, I think depending upon the culture uh, and the geography, your fixer is of a certain look. Here they look like they are, you know, very much in shape and they could destroy you with their pinky finger, etc. etc. Big Dom, you know, he (laughs) could probably be soft and cuddly, I'm sure, in certain spots. I'm just looking at this one picture of him right now, and he's got those glasses like uh, like Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, like you know, the ones that look way (laughs) too expensive for him. That's 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 what he's wearing right now, and it's fantastic.
1: (laughs) I have to say, that's his glow off. Walk yeah, really? next to Andy Reid back in the day; you can hardly tell the two apart. Similar yeah. size, for sure.
2: I also <laughs> say the media guide photo is obvious was obviously taken a good fifteen. The years The
1: mustache ago. one is my favorite. The yeah. thin yeah, yeah, mustache. Yeah. He should bring that. Back.
0: Oh man, you I should. need that era. <laughs> I need that big dom. Quick era. question:
2: Will yeah. Big Dom get banned from the sidelines for the rest of the season and/or for life? Like our like, is the Steelers security guy on the sidelines during the game? Some, sometimes, yeah. Mm, no, Paul, it's Philly. Paul, oh no Philly, they're gonna I'm build a in statue in this. Oh, hundred percent. Then they'll definitely build a statue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Some someone will have a fish wrapped in a newspaper if Big Dom is banned for life.
2: Odyssey NFL Insider Jason Lockenfora. We'll ask him about Big Dom. We'll ask him about NFL Week Thirteen. <laughs> and that Niners-Eagles, the actual game that happened, and so much more next on BeckQL Daily.